I was just doing any and everything to do, to get a client. Right. But once we started to realize, okay, these clients are awesome. And then these clients, I'm doing a lot of work and it's not worth my time or energy. Then we can start to niche down a lot more and realize, okay, I'm not going to do all these 80% of things. And I'm going to do this 20% of things. Cause really that's where my money is. And that's where the clients we actually want to serve are. So then that cut a lot of my time. And then I could focus on the business. This is the Wealthy Contractor Podcast, brought to you by G4 Marketing. Interviews with today's top home improvement entrepreneurs about marketing, sales, money, mindset, and lifestyle. Now, here's your host, Brian Kaskavalsian. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Wealthy Contractor Podcast. This is Brian Kaskavalsian with G4 Marketing Group. And today I am with Sarah Yagub, who is out of Houston. And Sarah, I just met recently, and she's in a group with Addie of badass businesswomen. That's not what the group is called, but I, I was just so impressed by the people that I met from this group. I actually wanted to be in the group, but they won't let me in because I'm a man. But Sarah and her husband are in the HVAC business in Houston, Houston, Texas. And Sarah has an amazing story. Like she's built a company that in a relatively short period of time, I'll just give them a little tease up front, Sarah, that is making money and she hardly has to work there anymore because of the systems and the processes that she set up. And so I thought it would be cool to talk with her and ask her how in the hell she did that, because that's kind of like the dream, create a multi-million dollar business that's profitable and not really have to work there. So she agreed and she's here. Sarah, thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having me, Brian. So before we talk about your your business, let's talk a little bit I and mean, give us the two minute version of your story. How did you end up in the ACE in the air conditioning business? Sure, sure, Brian. So I come from a corporate background. I worked in oil and gas and HVAC as well. And I would do operations management, client services. I also did sales. So I worked my way up from the corporate ladder from the bottom to the top. By the time I left, I was in the C-suite and I was an executive and I helped multiple businesses build their business to millions and multi-millions. And I would take service departments that were doing very poorly and help them to implement processes and automation and all of the things that you need in order for the business to operate properly. And so we would do that and we would increase revenue, but in the process, it would also streamline a lot of the workflow and you increase customer retention, increase customer referrals, increase so many of the things that you need in order to automate the business so that the business works for you. So I did this in corporate. So I worked in HVAC for a little while. And that's where I met my husband and he was a technician. And so we got married without any kind of plan to start an air, air conditioning business. But what happened is that I was continuing to work in corporate and I was doing very well. And he was a technician for a lot of different, he was working as a contractor for a lot of different HVAC companies. Well, what happened was when we had our, our family, when we started our family and I had my daughter, I was working so much in the executive world and they were asking me to travel at the drop of a dime. Like on a Monday, they would tell me to travel on Wednesday. And so it was really 
breaking our family apart. I mean, my husband and I weren't spending any time together. I was not enjoying my time with my child. So we both knew that something had to change. And he was like, I, I told him, I said, listen, you don't like it either. Cause he was working for all of these companies. And there was a lot of backhanded things that they were doing that didn't really align with his morals and his values. And so I told him, I said, you, why don't we take your technical skills and my business management skills? And why don't we start our own business? And so that's what we did in 2017 is that we started our business, Be Cool AC and Heating here in Houston. And he was the technician because that is what he likes to do. He likes to, and that was the agreement we made. He said, I will do this, but I don't want to do anything on the back end. He goes, I want to do the same thing I'm doing now, which is running calls and fixing AC units and selling AC units. And I don't want to do all the back end work. And I said, I promise I, that I can promise you that. Give me a year and I will show you that I'll do all the back end work. You do the technical side of things and we'll, we'll, we'll do this. And so that's what happened in a year because I had something to prove because we both left six figure incomes. And so my goal was if we could replace one of our six figure incomes, then this might be worth it. Right. And we could actually pay our bills. Cause you know, we still had a family. And so in that year I was just doing everything I could to bring in clients and build the business. And so in that year, what happened is, and trust me, it started from nothing. <laughs> we had, I want to say at least three to four months with zero revenue. And we were actually doing a lot of work and effort, but we had saved. So we had some money to support our bills during that time. But then after that, three, four month period within the 12 months, we took the business from zero to the $1 million mark. And then within 18 months, we surpassed the million dollar mark. So we were multi-millions at that point. And from then it's continued to grow. I mean, I want to say the first year, you know, we doubled it. I mean, the second year we doubled the revenue. And then by now, I mean, we're at a point where we probably <laughs> almost five X our revenue. So it's continuing to grow and it's a labor of love. But the reason that I was able to step out of it is because I had another child as well. So I knew I couldn't do the day-to-day -day business all the time. So the same thing that I did in corporate, which was get systems and processes in place and hire on a team. And we still, we have a small team. We run lean and mean, but we have a lot of systems and a lot of automations in place that the customers wouldn't see it. Most people wouldn't see it because they don't realize how much we do on the back end that's automated, but it helps us to streamline our workflow so that everyone's working more efficiently. And so we don't have to be in the business as much. So even my husband doesn't have to be in the business as much, but he enjoys running calls. And then for now we have an exit plan for him as well. But for me now, I work probably in the summer time when we're the busiest, to be honest, I take the summers off because my work on the back end, I do it during our off season. So, and I like to do that because during the summer, my husband's busy. So we have the children at home. So I take usually from late May to pretty much September off. So I'll check in with my office, maybe once every other week or something like that. If there's a red flag, they'll call me in, but I, I don't check in daily. And then during this, the regular season, which is like from September to May, again, I will work maybe three to, let's just say five hours a week. Five hours. <laughs> it, you know, it's, okay. it's up and down sometimes. Sometimes I'll go and I'll do an hour a day. Some days they don't, I don't need to do anything. So I might just say four hours for one day, but it's definitely five hours or less per week on that business now. And that's allowed me to do other things, which is other businesses as well. So yeah, that's, that's where we're at now. So that's cool. So let's talk about, that's a lot you just said. So <laughs> let's unpack some of that. I'm really curious about what are some of the things, like what were the first things that you had to put into place and you guys didn't acquire a company 
So you had like, you were from a standstill from zero, zero in 2017. And now what, like four years later, you guys are trending towards $10 million in revenue. I mean, that's pretty amazing. And then to be able to not be there, I mean, that's incredible. So what were the first kind of, what were the first couple things that you had to, that you had to do or to automate in order to get this thing rolling? At the beginning, I will say it was not automation. It was elbow grease (laughs) because, you know, like you said, we, even though we both had worked for HVAC companies before we both signed NDAs and, you know, we don't really believe in like stealing customers from other, the companies we worked for. So we did start brand new. And so what happened is it was, I found that it was easier for us. I had never, although I had helped other businesses grow income and revenue, those businesses were already established. Yeah. They're already going. Oh, they were, they had client base and you could feed from that. Right. But in this case, since we had no clients, I came in and I was, I'd never known how to like market a business. So I didn't know how to run any types of ads or anything like that, because I'd never done that before. But what I did know is I knew how to build relationships. So what I did was in in Texas, there's a law, you can't go um, knocking on door to door in residentials, but you can do it for commercial. So what I did to bring in clients at the beginning was I went to every networking event I can think of, you know, I looked on meetup and I looked on Google. I found all of the different networking events here just to, you know, kind of start building relationships with businesses because I figured the commercial clients would be the easiest clients to get at the beginning. And then I would go door to door in, in areas that we live or the, the areas that we wanted to serve. And I would go to the commercial properties and just meet the owners, the managers, you know, whoever I could meet, start building relationships. And that's why I said at the beginning for the first three to four months, we really didn't have much business because it was building those relationships. When I went to go meet them, they might not have needed AC right then and there, but when we built the relationship and started to really cultivate that, then the referrals or the calls started to come in after doing that for a few months. So that is how we kicked off the business was really a lot of elbow grease. It was all me because my husband, he he said straight up, he was not going to do this part of it. So I was, I was going to every networking event and there would be days where I was gone from probably after I dropped my daughter off at like her preschool or whatever, I would start at nine o'clock and probably till about three o'clock, three 30. And I was going door to door, door to door to business, to business, to networking event, to networking event. And that's how we really built those relationships. Now, once those relationships started cultivating, it started to pour in because it was like, they would call us for business, but they would also refer other people to us. And sometimes they would refer another business owner that had several businesses in the area. And so when we first started, that is how we got our start. And the reason that we, it was so lucrative was because it was commercial properties. So we were doing about 80% commercial and I want to say probably 90% commercial and 10% residential. And now it's actually flipped that work totally the other way around. But initially that is how we started was just a bunch of commercial clients and commercial business from networking and and things of that nature in face, in person. Builder Prime is changing the game for home improvement contractors. Imagine having everything you need to help your business grow in one place. CRM, estimating marketing automation with SMS, production management software, and now call center dialer integration, all wrapped into one easy to use package. And it's never been easier to switch CRMs. Hundreds of contractors trust Builder Prime to grow their businesses with powerful reporting tools to see which leads are making money, which sales reps are the top performers, and where to optimize for the greatest impact. We're talking about winning more jobs, boosting productivity, 
and delighting your customers. Are you ready to fuel your business growth even faster without all the daily frustrations of your current tech stack? You owe it to yourself, your team, and your business to learn why everyone is switching over to Builder Prime, the only true does-it-all CRM for home improvement contractors. Head over to BuilderPrime.com and request a personalized demo with an expert today. So so things started coming in. Things mm-hmm. started happening. You had to start bringing on people. You needed to answer the, the phone. You needed to schedule. You needed technicians. Can you talk a little bit about how did you start to build that stuff up? Sure. And and I guess make the connection of how in such a short amount of time we're able to not only start it up, but actually get it so that the system actually works. Like yeah. it actually does what it's supposed to do to where you could give it to somebody and say, here, you know, you're yeah. responsible for this now. So the first step, I think when we started to grow and actually started getting business in is yes, since I was out, I needed someone to answer the phone. So I found a call service, which I know everyone's like, don't do it. But I actually found a call service that I vetted because I wanted to make sure that when our clients called, it felt like our business versus a call center. So I vetted a bunch of different call services until I found one. I don't know if you want me to give names out on here or not, but Okay. I I forget the first, I think it was called Ruby something. Oh, Ruby. Yes. Okay. Yes. That's it. Yeah. So that was the first one. And we used them in 2017 and they were great because they had a script and I wrote the script of what I actually wanted them to say to our clients. And that mattered to me a lot because I coming from customer service, I knew that that would matter. So call Ruby or whatever would answer the phones while I was out, like bringing in stuff. Then I knew I needed a CRM ASAP because since I'm not going to be able to invoice and all that stuff while I'm out trying to get clients, I needed the CRM at that time. I had like a, a little bit of a fixed mindset. So instead of starting to hire people. I got the systems first because in my head at that time, I told myself that I couldn't afford people, which by the way, (laughs) it's a bunch of BS because you definitely, no matter how much revenue you have, you can always find options. And I'll tell you one in a moment, but the CRM really helped a lot because once the business, once the marketing side of things and the marketing became easier because I found out like, okay, these networking events that I was attending, they were bringing nothing in. And these networking events, I was getting so much in. So I started to really hone in at the beginning. I was just doing any and everything to do, to get a client. Right. But once we started to realize, okay, these clients are awesome. And then these clients I'm doing a lot of work and it's not worth my time or energy. Then we can start to niche down a lot more and realize, okay, I'm not going to do all these 80% of things and I'm going to do this 20% of things because really that's where my money is and that's where the clients we actually want to serve are. So then that cut a lot of my time and then I could focus on the business. So then I got the CRM. The CRM helped me automate everything from invoicing to ordering parts to what does the CRM do? Like follow up on quotes, reviews, referrals. The CRM that we use really did almost everything. And so I did vet that as well. I used a site called Captera. And that's what I used to use when I was in corporate and it helped me find CRMs for my industry specifically. And then you get to see reviews from the companies that have used them. So I like that because then it's not the company saying we're great. It's the actually end user. So we used house call pro we used service Titan. Those are very popular in our industry and they did what we needed them to do. And that freed up a lot of my time because then I'm not sitting here once I could build templates in for everything, right. And automate it where it's like, okay, we send a quote on this day. Two hours later, we verify the customer got quote. One day later, we ask the customer, 
customer, if the quote was made sense, or if they have any questions, these are all automated things that would tempt the customer to call in. Right. And so then on the back end, then we are just dealing with calls versus doing all this manually. I can't, it can't just be me on the backside and it can't just be Bo, who's my husband on the technical side, but in order to hire a technician and all that, I had to free up my time to actually source the right candidates. So for the back end, what I did was because I was still in that limited mindset and I thought I couldn't afford anybody. I hired some neighborhood girls from my like neighborhood, like, what is it called? Neighborhood brochure that goes out, you know, and they were babysitters, but I called them and I was like, I got this paperwork that I need your help with. Can you do it? And they were super cheap, like six, $7 an hour. I got them. Then I also reached out to our local universities and I was like, I'm a small business owner. I will teach them the backside of business, but I need help. I need free help ASAP. So they sent me interns and they were free and I would teach them how to, you know, things about business that they're going to learn anyway, working here. Right. And I put them to work. So they started answering my phone calls. They started following up on quotes. They started reaching out and doing the inside sales of things. And that freed up my time. So then I could start to out to hire our technicians. So the same concept that I used to hire the backend, I used to hire our technicians as well. I reached out to the HVAC schools. I found out if there were some that wanted to do free apprenticeships where they come and they learn and they're working for free. And so we brought some of those on. Now I will say a lot of those didn't end up being long-term employees. The best thing that we've done is like bring people that are green, but have already gotten their certification. And then we train them like hands-on training while they ride with our, our technicians that actually know what they're doing. Also, I will say that we did hire some technicians that had already the experience because then they could actually make me money instead of us training these people that it takes a while before they actually start bringing in the revenue. So we had to really develop that. And that did take us time. And I will say till this day, our biggest headache or the hardest part is really the people hiring the technicians because it's just this industry, as I'm sure everybody who's your listener probably knows, it's slim pickings. We're having a serious problem with um, finding help, you know, finding the right employees and just people coming into this industry altogether. I guess uh, they don't really realize that it can be a lucrative business, even though it can. So we've been really doing a lot of outreach with our local universities to go and talk and talk about how successful this business is, how much money our technicians are making, how much money our installers are making, because I think that's what's missing is that a lot of people are uneducated on the fact that they think they cannot make a, a good living. They can't make enough to retire. They can't make enough to support a family in this industry when in fact, it's actually the opposite, you know? Wow. <laughs> I stopped because sometimes I don't know if, you, like, if you're uh, like uh, too much or. <laughs> yeah. So we could stop right now and just say to everybody, go back and listen to that last 10 minutes, like 15 <laughs> times, but we're not going to do that because right. I want to unpack something. I made a list. <laughs> I, made, I, I just, I'm trying to write as fast as you talk. I know. But there are certain <laughs> things that you said that I think are just, you, you know, I say it here all the time, success leaves clues. And to the listener, if you listen to what Sarah went through all of that, and you've been here before, a lot of what she said is she has her own twist on it, but some of the stuff is this, it's the, it's the process to take you to where you want your business to go. So let me, let me just unpack a couple of things. Sure. So it was really interesting. So when you first started, and I think this is the case with most of us is I started the same way. I went and knocked on doors. 
and you knock on enough doors, someone's going to say yes, or that is going to lead you to somewhere else. And I thought what was really interesting that you said, though, is that you quickly discovered the 80-20 rule, where 20% of the people you were talking to are going to give you 80% of your outcome, of your result. And you said, you know, I'm just going to focus on the 20%. So immediately what happens is you just freed up 80% of your time. Now, and you said throughout, and I don't know how many times you said it, but just in that few minutes, you said, freed up my time. So it's almost like you went through a checklist that said, okay, I do this and then boom, it's done. That frees up my time to now go do the next thing. Mm -hmm. And what a lot of people don't realize is that in business, if you really want freedom, you have to eliminate stuff. You got to get rid of stuff, whether it's through automation, through outsourcing, through hiring, whatever it is, you got to get rid of it. And so I thought that that was really interesting. That's also very, it's a marketing strategy too. It's like, I'm going to go and I'm going to test the doors that I knock on. Mm -hmm. I'm going to go and test the ads that, you know, on Google that I'm going to put the headlines. It's the same principle. Some headlines are going to outperform others. Just like some of the doors you knocked on, right? You figured out quickly, I'm going to test it. I'm going to go here. I'm going to test. If nothing happens here, I'll go on to the next one. So I thought that was really interesting. The other thing too, that I got from what you said was I wrote down bootstrapping. I'm not sure if you said it, but yeah, you didn't say it, but that's what you did. You basically said, okay, how do I, we were, we're doing revenue. We're we're doing a million dollars to say in the first year, Mm -hmm. how do I keep as much of that as possible? How do I stay as lean as possible so that I can go buy the next thing that I need? Is that accurate? Oh yeah. 100%. Yes. Yeah. And so, you know, to people that are just starting out, that is a valid strategy. But then you also found out that once you start to bring things in, it's actually counterproductive not to spend. Yes. So you had an issue around hiring people, which we all do, by the way, that's not unique. It's like, how can I afford to hire this person? Mm -hmm. Right. But now, you know, what do you know now? Now, you know, is how could I afford not to hire this person? Right. Then, so this is just, this is the stuff that I got. I'm almost (laughs) done with my notes and then I'll I'll let you talk again. No worries. Uh, But freed up my time. Okay. And then the whole thing about going and looking for technicians. So for years and years, since I started, I was always had this saying, action, reaction, action causes reaction. So how did you go and hire people? Well, you didn't sit around and wait for them to come to you. You Same thing. You went and knocked on doors. You went and talked to people and you started to bring some people in. Then you tried the technical school. Some of them worked, some of them didn't but you did it fast. You implemented fast. You had to have, because you did all of this in a matter of two years, yeah. which by the way, everybody were doing this in 2001. And I don't think, I don't know if Sarah said it yet, but in 2019 was basically when she was free from the business. She did all that in two years. I mean, people work for 20 years and they can't do that. <laughs> and then the other, okay. And then the last part was, And I love this part. And I think that as an industry, the home improvement industry, the blue collar type jobs get a bad rap. Yeah. And I think that 
we need to be out there educating people on how you can make a good living doing this. I have a client, Charles, in uh, that sells windows. Mm-hmm. And he has people that have worked for him for 20 years, 25 years. Wow. And they're, they've done so well with him that they've paid off their houses. That's you know? awesome. They're like in their 50s, and they don't have a mortgage. And it's like, Charles, if you need more installers, what a great story that is yeah. to go and tell people that, hey, come here. And in 20 years, you'll own your house free and clear, right? Yeah. Just like, you know, John did it, or just like Sally did it or whoever, right? Yeah. yeah. And then the local universities, the going out and, and can you talk a little bit more about that? That's, that's really interesting to me. You're going out to the local universities and how do we even get an audience? We reached out, and I will say one of the things, just what you mentioned about Charles with the windows, we we use this strategy also when we talk to people who are coming into the industry. I mean, last year, our lead installer took home around $300,000. Like, that's huge. I mean, people don't realize, like, there are doctors out there that don't make that much, and they got a lot more headaches sometimes, you know, not to knock doctors, but I'm just saying, like, I don't think that the masses know that there is this type of revenue and this type of potential. And it's not just about money, you know, it's the lifestyle as well. Like here in our business, we are usually done by, I want to say the latest. And that's even during the, like the, the hot season in Houston, Texas, we're usually done by like five 36 o'clock. Okay. We as a company value family. And so Sundays we are closed. We you know, our customers have become accustomed to that. They don't complain. The we people that complain aren't really our type of people because that means they don't value hum, you know, their families as well. So this is like it's a it's a great lifestyle, not just the revenue. But the way that I approached the colleges was just that was that you know, they had a lot of like blue collar type certifications and trainings. They had EPA courses and all that. And I saw that on their website when I looked at the colleges and then I reached out to them and said, do you have any type of like career nights or do you have a job board, which they, most colleges do, they automatically, they put us on the job board. I actually have a college that we're supposed to be speaking to soon, who has a whole trades division. And then they offer small businesses in the area to sit on the board. So that's what I'm reaching out to them. And my goal is to sit on their board one, so I can see the talent that's coming through, but two, so that we can help initiate some of these conversations into the education system where it's like, listen, you don't have to, you know, there's not only just one avenue, which is get, you know, a match, a bachelor's and then a master's and then a doctorate, like there are people who that might not be their avenue and that's okay. That doesn't mean you're a loser and there's nothing else for you to do. That, that means like, Hey, have you tried any of the trades to see if maybe this is more in alignment? You know what I mean? So I just think more of us that are in the industry, this is like our responsibility because the reason that there are, is a shortage on trades is because not enough of us are talking about it. So people are leaning towards like the oil and gas. I used to work in oil and gas and oil and gas does this, you know, they go and they hire interns from the colleges. They go to the colleges and talk about all the great things that the oil and gas industry is doing. And so in the same sense, we have to, you know, unify together so we can do this and get the word out that like trades is huge. Every time there's been a recession, who, who are the ones on top? It's us. You know what I mean? Like, 
like we we can survive most things if 2020 didn't sh- if it showed us anything it shows us that like the trades business is like it's lucrative it's resilient you know it's kind of recession proof except for like the supply chain issues we're dealing with now but still i mean we can still manage we can find workarounds you know so i i definitely think that it's our responsibility when we're able to to really get the word out there and start recruiting you know the young the young generation because that's when I told you, I told you, I, I think before we started recording that we lost a couple of trucks and it wasn't because they were unhappy or whatever. It was because they were seasoned <laughs> veteran AC technicians. And, you know, this last couple of years, they were just like, listen, I'm, I'm good. I've paid off my home. I've put in my years of service and now I just want to chill and retire, you know? And it's like, that's a perk of working in this line of business, you know? Yeah. So I hate that we lost them, but at the same time, I totally understand, you know? And so that's why we got to get these young people to like join the trades. Cause there's a lot of benefit in, in working this type of work. Wow. Well, I love it. Thank <laughs> you for sharing your story. This was, this was really good. That group that you're in is, and it's, in, it, it's impressive. The group also that you're in, my wife is in the group and that's kind of how I met Sarah. I think, oh, I said that at the beginning already. <laughs> so one the last, one last thing before we, before we go, and, you know, I talk a lot about mindset here and I know you're, you're big into the, to that as well. In order to like mindset wise, how do you go from starting a brand new business? Your goal was let, if we could just replace one income. Mm-hmm. Now you've, you know, in a few short years, you've done a little bit better than just replacing one income. (laughs) Let's, let's say that. Yeah. And you've gone on to do other things, which is really, really interesting too. But the business has been, was kind of the, the catalyst for you being able to go and do the other things. So how did you kind of like in your mind, what did you do to become okay with making more money, but working a lot less. Oh, <laughs> lots and lots and lots of mindset work. I've probably spent probably a hundred grand on mindset development because I, I come from a blue collar family. I work in a blue collar industry. I was on oil and gas and oil and gas is the same as, as, as the trades is that that was in, instilled in me. It was like a, you know, part of like <laughs> my mindset and my deep core belief. So it took a lot of, like, I worked with, um, you know, abundance teachers, energetic teachers that taught me how to dismantle these types of limiting beliefs, have new mantras, replace the beliefs. I've done a lot of like deep hypnosis work. So it's been like so many different types of therapies and modalities that I've practiced that would have really helped me to expand the mindset. And I'm so grateful for that because if it weren't for that, then I would probably still be struggling and working like, you know, 80 hours a week. And the this line of work wouldn't be as fun as if I hadn't, you know, taken those steps. But the the reason that I knew that I had to do something was because I realized that I was the catalyst in my business. Like at a certain point, it was like everything that was coming up in my business. I was like, it was always me. That was the blockage. Like, it was like, we can't do that. We can't hire enough people. We can't, you know, we can't grow to the next level. We can't do that. And so it was just a lot of like resistance. And so when I was feeling that it felt heavy and I was like, I need to do something. So I just reached out and that's why networking 
and building relationships is so important. And the group that Addie and I are in and things of that nature, where you talk with other like-minded professionals, it's so helpful because sometimes they can be the ones that are like, Hey, listen, I see that, that you have like a little bit of a blockage. And that's what happened to me was somebody noticed it. And they were like, you, that resistance, it's a blockage because you're afraid of the next level. And so you're limiting yourself and it's making your life harder. So you should try something. So I'm so grateful that other people recognize that and gave me some, some tools to try out. So experimenting and exploring different modalities, you know, and mindset is huge at any point when it's like things start to get too tough. I guarantee you, it's almost always something mindset related that needs to be flipped in order to move past that. (laughs) Yeah. I could not agree more. And I have done a lot of the same, probably similar stuff that you have done. I don't talk about a lot of it here because it doesn't get talked a lot about in this industry. Right. And, you know, we have a, a wealthy contractor mastermind group. We have 12 companies in it, 12 business owners. And we talk about these things and we're there for each other and we push each other and it's powerful. And we yeah. talk about the different things that you could do and, and being open-minded mm-hmm. to it is, is really important. I love that you do that in your group because definitely the trades industry needs it more than m- m- maybe more than everybody else, but yeah. definitely just as much. So I, I love know that I needed it. it. I know I <laughs> we all, I mean, I think all humanity needs it to yeah. be honest. So, <laughs> yeah. well, Sarah, thank you so much. I wish you and Bo continued success thank and you. I got to have you back again. in I don't know, in like a year or two and just get an update <laughs> and see where you guys are. You're going to do big things. So thank you so much. I I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you so much, Brian, for having me. Yeah. Awesome. So to everybody listening, thanks for being here. And until next time, this is Brian Kaskavalsian with G4 Marketing Group, and this is the Wealthy Contractor Podcast. Thanks for listening to today's episode of the Wealthy Contractor Podcast. Let me ask you, did it help you look at your business in a different way? Did it spark an idea or ideas that you hadn't thought of before? Do you have a list of action items that you can take and implement into your business or your life today? I really hope so. If it did, I'd like to ask you a favor. Would you leave a five-star review of the podcast? By doing so, you'll help other contractors find the podcast more easily so that we can help them achieve more success, wealth, and freedom. And before you go, make sure you subscribe to the Wealthy Contractor Podcast so you get access to the latest episodes as soon as they're available. We're always striving to provide you with great content so you don't want to miss what's coming up. In fact, if you haven't already, make sure you go to thewealthycontractor.com and get your free copy of my latest book, The 7 Secrets to Becoming a Wealthy Contractor. Just pay shipping and handling and I'll take care of the cost of the book. So until next time, this is Brian Kaskavalsian.